Welcome to Combat Chatter, a Star Wars The Old Republic podcast, brought to you by RepublicTrooper.com. Combat Chatter covers the latest hot topics and breaking news surrounding Star Wars The Old Republic, BioWare, and the greater Tor community. What's up, everyone? Happy 2012 to all of you out there listening to us today. And uh, yes, you are listening to Combat Chatter, the official podcast of RepublicTrooper.com. I am your host, Andy at Republic Trooper, and uh, it's good to be back doing the show. We took some time off over the holidays, so we haven't done a show in about a month. And as usual, tonight I'm joined by Dave and Mike from Republic Trooper, as well as um, some new faces to the RT team. Vicky and Adam, also known as Fiducia and Dunnick, are here with us tonight as well. So uh, happy new year to uh, everyone on the show. Thanks for hanging out with us and uh, what's going on. Happy new year. Happy new year, troopers. Happy 2012 and a brand new year of tour. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So speaking of tour, uh, I mean, I guess we could say what's been going on in the last month. Let's see. Let's go way back. We had a beta weekend and then we had early game access and oh yeah, the whole game launched. So how has it uh, been going with all you guys with uh, early game access and launch week? What were your guys' thoughts on that kind of stuff? Well, early game access was incredible, um, at least for me. I had the wonderful fortune of my roommate and my fiance uh, had off that entire week, and so did I. So we all just hung out, uh, made a group of troopers, and grouped from level 1 to mid-20s, and it was phenomenal. Lots and lots of fun. Did you get in you on a first day? Yes. Nice. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. I was day two uh, on the first invitation. Um, but by the time my fiance got up here and my roommate got in, it was Friday. So we didn't actually get to start grouping until Friday afternoon. Nice. Vicky, it looked like you wanted to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, you lucky stiff for having that whole week off. <laughs> I planned for it. See, that's my I didn't thing. Have vacation I, time. Neither did I. I didn't take any vacation time, and I was so busy with like family time. Like I'm, I'm only like I'm getting close to fifty. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm nowhere near close to fifty. At the all. way the way you act, I thought it was sixty. Oh, oh, you're not talking oh. age. Oh, a character level. I got. I, was that a was that a dig <laughs> at me? <laughs> like, I was like, was that maybe? Funny? <laughs> That okay. was Dave's attempt at a slam. I, I guess. I guess. How about who is he slamming oh, for me? Not I, a slam. I don't know. I think I couldn't tell if he was slamming. I was or if he poking was at Andy a little bit. Oh, just okay. For fun, because he's so laid back. That deserves a soundboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Where's my uh, Where's my applause? We'll We'll give you some applause. For that. <laughs> How about, First step fail of the podcast. Yeah, exactly. How about you, Adam? What was your uh, what was your launch leak uh, launch week like for? Uh, well, actually, I was one of the so-called Decemberists, um, the group of people who pre-order way too late with the procrastinators. Um, so I spent most of the week watching everybody else get into EGA, but um, I knew, you know, I, I was able to remain patient for the vast majority of it. I knew that their their uh, their idea of a staggered access was a great idea, so we all weren't funneled in to the same place at the same time. Because I don't know about you guys, but I was there for the night of the launch of the Burning Crusade uh, expansion, oh, yeah. World of Warcraft. Oh yeah, and that was that was insane. That was like every person on the server was shoved into Hellfire Peninsula all at once, and it was just a nightmare. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that they did staggered access. Um, they added two days to the original five, which is more than generous. Nobody expected that at all. Yeah, that was um, awesome. So that was awesome. But I'll say this though: there, uh, once again, I think that the weak, the weak uh, link in the chain, uh, the strong Bioware chain, is their communication policy, and they played it a bit too close to their chest when it comes to, like, they knew when they would release. They could give people a little bit more information than they did, basically, and that they just have this habit of of playing it like a poker match, like playing their cards really close to their chest, and maybe that made sense in a pre-launch environment, but. Post-launch, I think they can relax, you know? You know, it's, it's, it's had a good launch, Bioware. Like, you can you can unclench now. That's a good point because I kept telling, uh, you know, a lot of the guys here and, and guys in my guild, um, you know, I pre-ordered the day they announced pre-order. So I'm expecting my email day of, you know, I think uh, I'm a West Coast guy, so I think I, I could gain access like at 4 in the morning or whatever it was on, on uh, the 15th or the 13th or I forget the exact day now. I get up at 6 a.m., I check my email. I don't have an email from Bioware, and I'm I'm like bummed. I'm like, oh man. So me and Dave are talking on Vent or whatever, and he's like, just try and log into the client 
and I log in and I have full access to the game. I actually never got my invitation email to early access. And I, and I agree with you. I think if they had had a better communication policy, like, hey, you're going to go on Tuesday, you're going to go on Wednesday and let people plan well, it out a little bit, that might have helped, you know? I, I understand what their plan was with that. And I think it actually worked out the way they wanted to. I mean, it might have ruffled a few feathers, understandably. But, I mean, to keep everything in light, you know, over the short term of EGA, BioWare is probably one of the best studios as far as communicating overall, like, just information about their games in general. Like, I agree with that. Like, early, like, they blow away every other studio. And I, I hate to say it, the other big one they're against, they put Blizzard to shame. Like, Blizzard needs... Blizzard needs like marriage counseling to be able to talk to its <laughs> yeah, spouse. Exactly. Where where BioWare is like at the bar every night, drunk, just you know talking, it's it, you know, talking to everybody and you know their brother. Uh, they said they said long before launch that they had an aggressive uh, post-launch plan, and within days, like two days of that, they're like, hey, not only are we going to keep up with that, and not only are we going to come out with stuff in January. But we're coming out with this and this and this and this and this. So one month in, they're already hitting us with um, an entire new world with a new dungeon, three new raid bosses, uh, you know, guild banks, etc. So guild banks. Yep. Booyah! Yeah, guild bank. Um, they actually mentioned the guild bank. That's a good. That's a good point because I think it was. Um, I think it was on the fifteenth or maybe the sixteenth. Like it was a couple days after early game access was like really going smoothly and you know there are already like hundreds of thousands of people in the game um james owen made a update it might have even been full launch day and he kind of highlighted a bunch of things that they're working on and guild banks he said were like a top priority yeah. so and that's what i'm talking that's the update soon. i'm talking about right the one where, where the one where he and they not they not only said it wasn't like one of those quick like hey you know we're telling massively a couple things off the cuff you know they made an actual post uh you know, an official post on their site, so it's still up there to find. You don't have to dig through some. Hey, James Olin told somebody you know a month ago in a in a random quick interview that this was coming. Oh yeah, no, they made it a. I mean, they made it like a news item. Um, that's actually one thing I liked with the launch. They kind of changed the. Uh, they kind of changed the forums a little bit. I guess now the Friday updates are gone. So if you don't exactly know how to get news, just click on the community tab, and there's like three big giant hot news topics sometimes it's patch notes sometimes it's an update from james owen or something like that it's a really good way to to get news on tor but kind of back to just the launch in general you know i've been playing mmos for 10 years i know a lot of you guys have, have been uh longer dude that was hands down the smoothest mmo launch i've ever been through um, yeah agreed yeah best mmo launch ever period it, the, the the only one that was as good as that which is funny because uh i didn't even realize this because uh, he'd mentioned it a little while ago. I think it was on the Reddit AMA. Stephen Reed worked on Steve Heroes. And when people asked me before this what the smoothest launch I'd ever been in, uh, up in an MMO prior to Star Wars, it was actually City of Heroes. My, uh, when I was on uh, Rift, that was the smoothest launch. Tor was a good close second, but uh, I, I still think Rift had, had it be. But the only reason I think is because it had a much smaller subscription base. You know, that's uh, a good point. I heard Rift was good. I actually wasn't a Rift player um, at the time. I was I was in my uh, anti-MMO phase, so I had no no active subscriptions <laughs> um, waiting for TOR to come out. And I was getting ready to play the Rift, but uh, I missed the launch, and I, I knew friends that were, you know, two months in, and they were like, eh, I'm kind of already, like, losing losing the taste. But I did hear that their launch was good, too. Yeah, it, it was... Uh, I've, I've been on multiple MMO launches, Um Notably, uh, Star Wars Galaxies, WoW, uh, The Matrix Online, uh, and EverQuest 2. But I think that Rift was by far the smoothest launch. I think Tor was the biggest, most organized launch that I've seen. So it's hard for me to really compare, compare those two, to be honest with you. I'll just add that um, two uh, ex-guildies who long ago quit my WoW guild and, and played Rift... Are now now came back like out of nowhere um, and are now playing SW Tour. I've been seeing that a lot. Um, I have a lot of friends who were like me. You know, they played WoW and well, they played Galaxies before WoW and, and EverQuest before Galaxies and on and on and on. And then they played WoW seven years and 
they just got tired and bored and burned out and switched to console games where, you know, a lot of these guys are married now with families and stuff, so they don't have all this free time, and they can maybe play more, you know, like in a 30-minute burst as opposed to like a three-hour play session, and, and uh, they just kind of went to Xbox and, you know, PlayStation and things like that, and they're all they're all back in tour now playing in a... Oh, go ahead. No, that's the cool thing about Tor, though, is you can just play it for a couple hours. Like, even before we got on here, I just ran a couple space missions, got XP, had fun, and now I'm doing this. You know, it, it's really very well set up for a casual player versus a hardcore player. Oh, I totally agree, because that's, that's <laughs> definitely me now, right? Like, I have a, I'm super active, you know, away from the computer and, and uh, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. And I don't have the time that I used to have when I was, like, a hardcore raider, so... I only really get like a couple of nights of a week to actually to play like at any given length. I love that I can log into the game and do like space dailies or maybe quest for like an hour and still kind of feel like I'm getting stuff accomplished. Um, right. They've done a really, really good job with that. And I'll tell you what, too, for people out there, if you're not into space combat and you think it sucks or you don't like it, at least. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> a, exactly. Sorry. Sorry. It, it, no, that's fine. It is a lot more fun than I expected. But but B. Dude, you get gnarly XP out of your space dailies. You need to do every single one that's green or above every day. To you, you'll level so fast, and you'll get tons of cash out of it too. Amen. Yeah. Until and, you get uh, to the impossible sector. And uh, oh, I passed impossible sector first time. That oh the, 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 the only, <laughs> oh nerd the, war. <laughs> the only one. I, the only one I came close to failing was um, actually the Kaylee, uh, the the Kaylee station protection. The the good thing about tour, and I'm I'm gonna go back to the giant elephant in the MMO room. And that is uh, that exactly what you guys said. You can put a couple hours in. And I think I think most MMOs, with a few exceptions, realize that today. It has what WoW had in the early days. You can put in short amounts of time, but at the end game, the hardcore is hardcore. Like The hard mode flashpoints are much more akin to early heroics as opposed to the way heroics currently are. Basically, it has that balance of challenging content for those who want it and easier content. Now, let's hope they don't go in the same direction that Blizzard did and decide, hey, the guys who play 30 minutes to an hour a day want to be able to have everything the people who play, you know, four or five hours a day have. Oh, I, I really hope they don't do that because that that, in my opinion, is what ruined ruined. Wow. Like I like that it's challenging and and, you know, because of my play style, like there's a lot of heroic quests and stuff that I either have to to go back and do with a companion once I've pretty much out leveled them or B, I have to like wait and kind of plan a group and schedule time and all, almost make it like an instance run where it's like, hey, guys, you know, let's log on at eight o'clock tonight. I love that it's challenging. And that's the whole point of an MMO, man. You know, if, if you put in 100 hours into it, you get all the hardcore shit that comes out of it. If you put in 10 hours, you're not going to be as badass as the 100-hour guy. You know what I yeah. mean? And I'm going to take, take a chance here, and I don't mean to offend anyone, and if I do, I'm sorry. But it's just, <laughs> it's just like anything else in life. No, I'm, I'm being sincere about that. It's like anything else in life. You get out what you put in. Um, if, you, you know, if you put in 40 hours a week at work, and you're wondering why you're not making as much as your boss who, who's been there twice as long and put in 60 hours a week for most of his career, then uh, there's, there's a breakdown in your thought process of how you're looking at something. Um, you know, People who play more do get more in the game, but you're spending less time doing this, so you're spending more time getting other things out of life that they're not getting. So just remember that before you say, hey, I play, you know, one or two hours at a time that's not enough for me to get you know stuff that takes four or five hours at, at you know at a pop i, I really well, needed some uh, nice uh, piano background music for that there <laughs> no go ahead adam what were you gonna say um well there's certainly no doubt that this game attracts at least in my opinion this game attracts both casual and hardcore players which is one of the reasons for wow's great success is that it attracted um both for the longest time um, and this game kind of does the same. Like you can you can spend three four hours on a hard mode content, or you can spend an hour and just play space combat, do some crafting, um, so go go do a heroic with a buddy. Uh, there's very it's, it's got something for everybody. This game. No, you yeah, know I agree. In uh, oh, go ahead, Mike. Oh, I was just gonna say, and over the past two weeks, I have done both uh, in early game and then early launch. 
uh, me and my my group here, uh, we hardcore played for I mean hours upon hours a day, and then uh, you know in the past I would say the past five days I had a lot less time back to work and all that stuff, and it, it's still fun even if I'm only playing for two hours or a half an hour here and there, and I get just as much out of it. Uh, it's different. Uh, you get different rewards and all that different and, and that kind of thing, but uh, it's still rewarding when you play a little bit or you play a whole lot. Yeah, so that leads us um, to the next topic, kind of, which is that TOR is becoming the fastest-growing subscription-based MMO in history. Um, and I think it only took two or three days, and I'm pretty sure that was because of the um, the uh, grace period when pe- that people had to actually register their subscriptions. But it took two or three days. They already broke the one million subscriber mark. I'm pretty sure it was before Friday of launch week. So I think that's pretty badass, too, that the game is, is making video game history. I know a lot of gamers out there are already, you know, being a little bit cynical, and they're like, you know, they, they're like, yeah, hey, that's cool, but, uh, you know, we'll see where it is in three months, or we'll see where it is in a year and all that stuff. And, and while I agree and understand that side, at the same time, I think uh, people need to give credit where credit is due. I mean, they had the largest MMO launch ever, one of the smoothest MMO launches ever. You know, they're the the fastest subscription growing game in history. I mean, you know, those are some pretty good accolades for a game that's only been out for well, three weeks. You know, you, you you know, just like James Owen said, and this is this is actually really reassuring. He said, unlike other studios who, uh, you know, once their game's rolling, they take their team off, their vet team off, and move it to a new project, and then have a newer team keep that MMO moving forward. Uh, they're keeping their vet team, including James himself. I mean. You know, like he said, he goes, I did Baldur's Gate until that was done. And then I went right on to Baldur's Gate 2. And then I went on to Neverwinter Nights. And he went through the whole thing. He's like, and now Swoter's out. He's like, and it will be Swoter, Swoter, and more Swoter for the years to come. And if if the veterans at Bioware fail, that's literally like, that's literally their big names. The people who have made this company over a decade plus. So... I, I have a lot of faith. Let's just put it that way. Vader would not find my faith or lack of disturbing. Vicky was going to say something. I was. And now <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say. So I, carry I'm on. Sure it was really, really, really good, too. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, you know, moving. And you know what, Dave? What I think is, I don't know. Oh, that's okay. That's totally okay. What about you, uh, Adam or Mike? What do you guys think? The thing that I keep thinking about with the whole fastest growing subscription uh, is that day where they told us we had to put the subscription in and the queue for the website. Right. Um, That's right. I forgot about that. Do you remember that? Oh, dude, the front door is loading or whatever it was. You had to wait like 60 seconds just to hit the login screen. I got my uh, roommate knocked on my door to to wake me up. And he's like, dude, there's a line for the website. I'm like, what? (laughs) He's like, you might want to log in. <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's a good. That's a good point because I had completely forgotten about that. And me and me and Dave were actually talking about it on vent or, or on the phone or something. And, he, you know, he goes to something. He's like, "What the hell?" And I go, "What's up?" And he's like, "Dude, I'm in line for the website. That's how much traffic they're getting." So, I'm curious to see when they're actually going to release more numbers because the the way the um. The way the, the the million subscriber mark kind of hit was, you know, EA released a press release and they, they did it very, it was very corporatized, right? It wasn't like a little news blurb somewhere. It was like, I got a press release in my mail informing me that they had broken some badass record. What I'd like to see is a more informal thing where like Stephen Reed maybe tweets in, in another few weeks when it's like been out for 30 days, like, hey, we broke 2.5 million people and then let the other news sites that are out there in the tour community kind of run with it and, and editorialize on, on their own. But it seems to me that almost Bioware doesn't seem to like to brag. Uh, yeah, it was it, EA. It was EA. It wasn't Bioware that was doing it. Yeah. It's just funny. Cause it's like, you know, people when we say like, where's the numbers, but Bioware almost seems to be like, we'll tell you about the stuff that you're interested in. And I know that we're interested in the numbers, but, I'm not, it's kind of funny how a lot of companies are like, we did this really amazing thing. And Bioware has always seemed to me to be the ones who go, we're going to do this really amazing thing. What do you guys think of it? And right. that's what we get in the email. So, so just, <laughs> just kind of an informal poll amongst us. How many people actually did the six-month subscription? Uh, 
I did. Okay, so I honestly don't remember. <laughs> okay, so Vicky's still in brain fart mode. We'll just leave her there. Um, I am. <laughs> no. So Dave and Mike did. I did. Adam, what about you? Uh, the two months. Okay, so you did two months. So I look at it like that. I mean, there's what? There's five of us. So three of five. If you could apply that to the million, you're you're talking what? Like, you know, over five hundred thousand people. I mean, did gave them what eighty bucks on on day one. So. They, they raked in some cash, I, but kind of to your point, I don't see them really bragging about it. They know that it's big. They know that they're making money. The press release I was referring to actually came from EA, who's been, you know, EA is going to look at them more as like a numbers game, right? Because EA is a public company and they have investor calls and all that kind of stuff. I'm just curious to see how it goes in like three to six months. Like a lot of people said, I think it's really cool that they broke, that they they had this great launch week and they broke a million players and all that good stuff. But in, in three months, when they say, hey, we have 2 million players or 1.5 million players, like, I'm curious to see how long it's going to take for people to actually go, wow, that's cool, instead of, well, we'll see where they are in a year. Well, we'll see where they are in two years. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like they deserve some some credit back, I guess. I, I agree. The other thing I've been hearing is, well, of course it's going to be a lot of people. It's Star Wars. Beyond that, it's not only Star Wars. It's an awesome game. The quality of the game far surpasses anything I've played. I mean, it could be Transformers or something and a game that at this level, and I think I'd still want to play it. But it's Star Wars, and I'm happy with that. Well, you know, and that's a good point is I think a lot of people forget too. And I mean, I, I was kind of doing this is, you know, WoW really set the bar high. But if you remember WoW's launch week, dude, the game was horrible. I mean, if you compare WoW at launch day to TOR at launch day, TOR is in such a, a better class of, of, of uh, you know, like day one capabilities and what's in the game and the scope of the game and how large it is and features and this and that. If you compare TOR to WoW as it is right now today, obviously WoW is way ahead because it's had 10 years of development work, you know, and this game's on on its launch month. Um, so I think, I think a lot of people that make the WoW TOR comparison are are looking at it as, well, I play WoW today, and I play TOR today, and therefore WoW has, like, better features or this or that. Um, but I think, in a, I think in six months or a year, I think TOR is going to be right that right there with them, if, if not if not ahead. And I, I predict a, a 2 to 3 million-ish um, subscriber base. That's kind of what I think. I don't think they're going to make WoW lose the number one spot, but I think they're going to be some very serious competition. It, it was, I mean, BioWare is... Uh, a couple years behind Blizzard, but but not many, and they have a long pedigree of all hits, just like Blizzard has had. Um, they launched a game very solid, and in the end, uh, they wanted to do one thing very specific. They said, "We know how to make good games. All right, we've done that before. What we haven't done is an MMO and provided the service for an MMO. We want to make sure we do that well, and." The first thing in that whole chain was making sure their launch was smooth. And what did they do? They provided a launch that was one of the best and noticeably better than WoW's was. So I think they, they really came in on that. But my take on this, on the full fastest quote-unquote MMO thing, um, I mean, after, what, 10 years of, of reading MMO PR uh, releases, um, you know, I've been, I'm a cynic, and who can blame me, really? Um, you know, these initial reports after an MMO launched are always spun to the best, you know, of their ability. They all, PR departments will always throw you curveball on this. They never really give you the full numbers. Having said that, it's great news for the game, but we kind of expected this, didn't we? I mean, 900,000, 1 million pre-orders, and they say, oh, lo and behold, we have a million people buying the game on, on day one. Okay, well, that, we kind of expected that. Um, so, yeah, really the $64,000 question is uh, will these subs be around at the three-month, six-month, 12-month mark, and will that those totals be added? Because no MMO starts off with like 10 million subscribers. WoW started off with about 600,000 or something like that and grew to 12 million. But So a million, if you can build from there, is obviously an extremely healthy start. Uh, that's more than enough money, profit for them to, to reinvest back into the game. And Bioware, I think other games, like with EA, you might be a bit suspect that they might just take the money and run. But I think Bioware will pretty much reinvest every single penny they have um, right back into Tor to because to, they understand that they got to they got to reinvest in the game, keep it going to uh, keep the subs going. So we'll see. It's an open question. Jury's still out. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And, uh, but I believe in Bioware, and I believe in what they take uh, as their brand. Like, they took uh, Mass Effect when Mass Effect became really big, and they improved it. Uh, some argued, not, not greatly in Mass Effect 2, but uh, they keep adapting, they keep going with it, so I don't think they're ever going to give up on a game. Uh, and it and just by the press releases that they've given so far on what they want to add to the game uh, post launch, they definitely are sticking with it and are definitely paying attention, which is just awesome. And uh, after this first few weeks of playing, I I'm definitely in for the long haul, without question. Yeah, I t- I tend to agree. I mean, based off of based off of I mean, and again, I'm not 50 yet, so there's a lot of people who have you know gone through a lot more content uh, than I have. But um, I could see myself playing the game as it stands right now for at least a year, if not more, you know. Um, and I haven't even done a lot, so much of the game. The game's so huge. Like, I haven't even done a whole lot of PvP. I haven't raided yet. You know, I've, I've only done several instances. I haven't even gotten to, to a point to do, it, like, any of the hard-level stuff. So I definitely see it um, having longevity. What I'm kind of curious to see is kind of like to Adam's point, you know, he was on the flip side of the coin was, you know, wow, I think, you know, had something like half a million at launch and um, TOR has like a million in, 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 you know, over seven or eight years. Wow, grew to like 12 million. Well, over how many years will it take for TOR for people to go, hey, you know, the game's awesome or I'm a huge fan. It just seems like right now all everybody, the only way people seem to consider it a a success is if it beats wow in the numbers which I don't personally think that it's ever going to do. Um, I don't know. That's just maybe how I feel about it. Like, I think, uh, I think people can, um, you know, can call it a success for, for when it's actually being successful. But I don't know. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's just me. Well, uh, one thing that, uh, that EA has said a couple times now is that uh, they actually put numbers down. They said... Uh, previous to launch and then uh, after launch, that at 500,000 subscribers, we're profitable. Uh, like, we're noticeably profitable. Anything above that just increases the profit margin. So um, they'd actually have to not only not uh, float and pull the status quo from their launch numbers, they'd have to actually lose a large percentage of their launch numbers to drop below a profit margin. While the game might not be the greatest game ever, and I'm not saying that as my opinion. Uh, I think the game is one of the best MMOs ever made, uh, certainly so far. It would have to go in a direction way, way, way different than it already is, I think, for it to lose those numbers in less than three or four years. So I think they're going to see profits for at least three or four years unless they do something very radical, which I doubt they'll do. So, yeah, you know, that's a good point, but not to radically change the topic here, guys, but we want to discuss some other stuff going on with Republic Trooper. So uh, I'm going to hand it over here to Dave to talk about uh, our most recent mess hall poll that we did with the community. So, uh, Dave, why don't you tell us what was going on with that? It was, uh, well, almost a month ago now since we uh, we skipped the holiday one. We, uh, we put out a mess hall uh, asking people what they think about add-ons since that's another hot topic for – uh, MMOs, especially people coming from WoW, who are uh, used to such a add-on rich environment, and the responses uh, actually were interesting. Out of five choices, running the gamut from uh, basically absolutely not to yes in every aspect of the game, uh, the most common with 63% of our votes was that add-ons are useful in MMOs for some things, but should be limited so as not to cause game imbalance. In second place was, at 27%, add-ons are very good for an MMO. They should be allowed freely with few exceptions. And in third place, at 10%, was add-ons should be heavily restricted in an MMO. Now note, the two choices that had zero votes where add-ons are great, they should be allowed for every aspect of the game, which was one end of the spectrum, and add-ons should absolutely not be allowed in my MMO, which is the other end of the spectrum. So uh, people took the moderate road, leaning towards uh, add-ons being generally useful in the game. Well, I chose, uh, yeah, add-ons are very good for an MMO. They should be allowed freely with few exceptions, and those exceptions are, yeah, game-breaking, ones that give people massive advantages. 
Um, and usually devs are pretty good at determining what's what's what and um, use the band hammer appropriately. But in my opinion about add-ons generally, it's like they're like any tool. They're like fire. I mean, you you know, you can use fire to cook your food um, and keep you warm, but it can also burn your house down. So you know, that's a funny that analogy. That's a great analogy. I like it. Yeah, that <laughs> that's awesome. Fire good. Add-ons bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like take recount. There's two sides on like um, the recount issue. Recount being, of course, for those of you who've never played World of Warcraft, it's a combat log. Um, add-on or mod the game meters, tells right. you gives you more numbers than you could ever possibly imagine on every aspect of the game, pretty much. So it's a very, very powerful, very useful tool. But there's uh, some, something called that you might want to call the tyranny of recount, where if you run with a group with a couple of maybe elitist uh, type players, hardcore players, they'll have recount running, and they'll point out you. You know, if you're if you're like 07 percent off the 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 DPS that you should be doing, then you will hear of it. And, and they'll use recount as a tool to beat you with. And, I mean, again, don't blame recount. Blame the elitist jerk who's, who's doing this to you. And, there's, you know, there'll always be jerks out there. What can you do? Do you ban recount? You know? I don't know. I think it's, uh, it's, it's a great tool. And it should be something like it should be in um, Tor. And if people abuse it, well, that's what ignore slash ignore is for, right? I'm kind of on the same wavelength, although I lean much more heavily towards the... Uh, don't want, you know, do not want uh, add-ons in the game. But I also come from games that had no add-ons. And, uh, you know, things like uh, MXO and, and EverQuest and all of that. Uh, and so I'm not used to them, as most people are. And I got into PvP pretty heavily in Rift. And I remember people with... Uh, you know, severely unfair advantages, but they did a really good job of keeping most things down. Uh, and I just fear that those type of add-ons just like completely, uh, you know, overpowering certain aspects of the game. But as long as the devs keep a good eye on it, I think they can be good. I know that there are definitely uh, aspects of the UI now which I, I would totally would love an add-on for. So I guess I'm leaning more and more into... Uh, towards the middle nowadays. Um, something else to consider about add-ons um, is that they often paper over the cracks in a game. Um, they'll, they'll often make up for the mistakes that an, a dev has make or, made or, or just features that are, that are too lazy to really implement. Um, I never really fully appreciated this until I was reading the, the SW Tour official forums one night and um, some guy made a post about UI and add-on issues, about what he thinks you know, should be added to the game. Same, same thing we we're discussing here. It's a pretty short, well-thought-out post. And a couple of people said that, myself included. But then other people were like, hey, aren't you the, the guy who did those mods in World of Warcraft? Personally, I hadn't heard of what mods he'd done. But about half a dozen people started chiming in and said, oh, yeah, hey, thanks, man. I really appreciate you doing those mods for World of Warcraft. And his reply was kind of almost shocking. He said that I'm done with making mods. I'm making mods for Blizzard. They don't appreciate uh, the work that I've done. They basically, uh, they, they, they'll steal your work if they can. Um, and if they buy you out when they can't, the payout isn't as much as people might think. Um, and generally speaking, he said that he was, uh, I'm paraphrasing him, but it's almost like a quote, that he was tired of like um, fixing Blizzard's game for them for free, basically, and that he was done. And he was hoping that uh, Bl uh, the buyer tour will do maybe more things in-house and maybe have, build a game where mods are really not required. The game's good enough that you don't need mods to make, it, uh, to make it work fully. Because let's face it, in World of Warcraft, it got to a point where if you did not have mods, you could not play the game at a certain level. I agree well, with that. Well, there's also, um, and we've talked about this, uh, a lot of our older members, there's also, in including, I'll say, a friend of mine who works at a certain company, um, who, who rhymes with lizard, right, Andy? Uh, anyways. Yeah, gizzard. <laughs> yeah, gizzard. Anyways, see, it depends because that's what a lot of us talk about. I like mods that help you, like exactly what Mike's talking about. Like I want a mod for my trooper that'll just put my cooldowns a little bit higher so I can see them and don't have to look down as much. I just basically want the UI to be more flexible. But then there's mods that people thought became so integral to the game and it basically made people worse players and they thought it was necessary. Like, for example, one of them was Decursive um, back in the day. Basically, it let people hit one button to remove curses because they just, they couldn't get good enough to 
individually click and watch debuffs. So it, 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 depends, it depends how it is. If it's something that helps you play the game, uh, like increases the ability to use what's in the game already, I support it. If it's something that kind of plays the game for you, I don't want it. I was just going to say real quick, kind of to, to move on, but I, I kind of agree with Dave too, is like when I played WoW, I mean, there was there were certain add-ons that I, that I ran, like for raiding and things like that, like deadly boss mods or whatever, but most of my mods were utility-style stuff, like making my inventory bag a single block and titan panels so I could see my gold and my ping and my location all at one time. Like they weren't like, you know, game-changing, like cheating mods, I guess you would call them. I, I don't even know the right way to call them. BioWare has pretty much said they want to do it, but they're not sure how they want to implement it yet. And I have a feeling that it's probably going to be relatively light. I do not think it's going to be near as open as what as what Blizzard um, did with Warcraft. I don't know. That's just my kind of two cents kind of to what uh, Dunnick was saying about people on the on the TOR forums, you know, wondering about are they essentially going to like outsource developers for free to build their game for them and I, I don't see them doing that yeah a game with um you know that has no mods and that and that the um everything is completely closed system is if that's one extreme and wow is the other extreme yeah bioware i think is trying to plot some middle course um and no doubt that's going to take them time because it is a tricky and i i would say you know let's give them the benefit of the doubt this is something you want to get right and so if they need more time to get it right, then so be it. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, while we're on the topic of mods, that kind of brings us to our next topic, which was um, in our latest uh, Letters from the Troops columns, uh, or column, a bunch of the uh, RT staff uh, were opining about um, UI and improvements um, that could be made to the UI. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts about um, some of the UI issues or some of the complaints that you've heard out there about the UI? There is one thing that I've noticed. And normally I'm very easygoing about the, what the game presents me. I don't tend to think too far outside the box. Right. Uh, if, but so if I notice something, it's it's got to be big. When I'm hovering over when I bring up my inventory, right? And I'm hovering over a piece of equipment for my companion. And I open my character screen and I click on my companion. So it's my companion in my inventory. And I hover over that piece of equipment for my companion. It shows the comparative piece of equipment that I'm wearing. And I hate that. You know, I've noticed that too. And my my biggest pet peeve, I think, is is how intrusive the um, companion returning from a mission window is. Especially if you're at the auction house. If you're at the auction house and you have the the AH window open and you have your inventory open and you're like dragging and dropping and all of a sudden it's like, you know, boom, here comes C2N2. And he's like, hey, dude, I'm, I'm done with the mission. It closes all your windows except for that mission completed one. Oh, my God, that Ooh. one drives me crazy. That is so annoying. I was at the auction house just the other day. I was looking very specifically for something. I finally found it. I was about to check the stats on it. And boom came back and I had to go search all over again. Uh, you think that's bad. That actually I think wiped us last night on one of our heroic um, flashpoint attempts. Somebody had a pop-up uh, from a mission, a Cruzco <laughs> mission being completed and um, had to click that and not his uh, you know, heal button or something. The tank died we wiped and died. Wow. So it's like, I don't know, at the extreme. But isn't that like a new etiquette thing? Please don't send your companions on missions when we're in the middle of a yeah. heroic hard mode flashpoint. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah, but at come up with a rule that but says, Vic, okay, so if you're joining the raid, no crew but skill they mission. have game Vicky, what you don't realize, that, though, though is, is at high level, those missions run an hour plus. So the guy might send somebody out and then 10 minutes later be like, hey, let's go in this flashpoint. And, you know. But, I mean, they have game mechanics around that. Like, for example, when you're in, I, I believe, when you're in space combat, if you have a companion return, it doesn't pop it up on your screen. It puts it up in the little pending window. They should do that, like, if you're in a flashpoint or something like that. Or even if you're in anything that's, like, instance, like a war zone. Or not even at or... flashpoint, necessarily. Just if I'm fighting a boss. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, if I'm if, fighting a raid boss. If you're within attack range of a boss. <laughs> It's fun. The one day, uh, I think they're they're mucking around with things because on uh, the one day, I didn't get a crew skill returned. He sent me an email with the material I asked him to go find. Really? He, I've never yeah, seen he that. he emailed it to me. They usually do that if there's no room in your inventory, dude. That's not new. That happened in beta. Oh, is that? I, I, yeah. 
Oh, My is so that's, mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what that was. I haven't actually had that. I bet you it was a crafted item, right? It wasn't probably raw materials. I bet yeah, you you're, had a crafting. Right. Yeah. Yep. If if you have him crafting something, uh, and you have no room in your inventory, then he'll uh, he'll pop it into your mail. Well, that's smart. You know, something else too that that bothers me just a little bit is I get why they do it, but I I still find it kind of annoying. Like sometimes I'll open my character window or my companion window and be looking at gear and I'll have my inventory open first. If I close my inventory but my companion window is still open, it moves its position over to the left and I don't I don't think it should move. I think it should stay where it is until I close it. You know what I mean? Cuz it's like I've already opened it. I'm interacting with it in that area just because I close a different window. I don't think that the other window should have to move its position. Yeah, I've noticed that too, and while I don't think it's, you know, game-breaking or awful, it is it is inconvenient. Yeah. I also wish that I could just move the windows. You know? Well, that seems to be the big beef, is that people want to reconfigure stuff. Like, they don't like where the, you know, they don't like where the tooltip is, and, you know, they don't like how some of their bars are laid out. Like, the you know, they want to move stuff around. Like Star Wars Galaxies, you could really move stuff around. I mean, it was, it was, it had some limitations, but you could completely move stuff around. Well, in Rift, the entire UI was bindable, and you could move anything you wanted wherever you wanted. Yeah, that was a great, great and uh, addition to that game. That's what I think people are expecting from this, and, and honestly, I, I think that's what they're going to get. Dave, I know you uh, you were talking, you had written about, um, what, inventory management? Yeah, for instance, just a lot of the inventory management, like things, just things not stacking, things that do stack not stacking automatically, like uh, metals and crafting materials. Th some things that don't stack, I would make a suggestion do especially gifts gifts are a pain in the butt when yes. they don't stack yeah and i i almost think there should be a tab for gifts they at least did do what some games do and some games don't uh and i think just like just like the entire genre keeps adopting the best practices uh, as new games come out i don't think any game should ever come out again that doesn't have a quest slash mission tab for items that are unique to quests and missions and at least Star Wars has that so but, but truthfully it doesn't even have to be its own tab if they made gifts stack and uh and actually moving stuff from cargo hold to inventory back and forth auto stack the way it should I think that would go a long way towards alleviating a lot of the tedium of inventory management at least the stacks are high like there are hundreds so actually you don't quite need as much bag space as you do maybe in other games Specifically, one. Well, yeah, name exactly. Yeah. No, um, I did but notice that's, that. That's nice. with an ow. Yeah. Pow. <laughs> Cow. Oh man, we digress. It it seems it seems that especially kind of you know in the overall umbrella of like add-ons, you know, a lot of people want to see tweaks made to the UI. Bioware has, from what I've seen, has acknowledged it. They said they're working on stuff in, in typical Bioware fashion. You know, they're, they, they hold their cards pretty close to their chest, so they haven't really given specifics. But I do think a lot of the kind of stuff that we were we were discussing uh, we're going to see in the game here probably very, very soon. I would expect customizable stuff before, way, way, way before they actually allow people to, to do, to do add-ons and things like that. It makes me feel good that they're working on it. You know, like I trust... Bioware has built up a whole lot of trust with me. I trust that when they say they're going to work on something, it's going to get done. Oh, yeah, I agree. Because at least they, like, acknowledge you. You know what I mean? I know, with like, again, with WoW, there's a lot of comparisons, but that's the other big one, is, you know, people would post on the forums, and they would just, you know, very rarely would they get a blue response. And, you know, they, they, they did start hiring a, a lot more forum moss to, to help out with that. But I still think kind of what we talked about even earlier in the show is Bioware is a lot more casual and more i guess just conversational with their fans as as opposed to like a corporation talking to a customer you know well i i think we also have trouble comparing them because the amount of people that bioware has to interact with is much smaller i think that blizzard did what it it could in the beginning but now that it's got basically uh, another staff working. I, they have trouble, and I'm hoping that Bioware can continue to manage its community as well as it does now. You know, that's uh, that's actually a good point. Um, I think it was Stephen Reed, and uh, I think Dave even pointed me to this, but um, 
it was Stephen Reed that said that's why we don't have realm specific forums yet is they don't they said they don't have the manpower to moderate it properly. So, you know, they are they already know that they're they're undermanned just with the with the client base that they have right now. So that that's actually something that I'd like yeah, to see in the game too. E even with that being said, remember when they when they were talking about the numbers not long ago, I mean they they hired four hundred customer service people just to start with. So that's that's quite a bit. They're definitely hiring. Um, it's just, you know, I think kind of to like what Mike was saying is, you know, Blizzard got so big so fast, I don't know if Bioware's gonna if they're already suffering from that. Like, you know, they have one million or over one million or one and a half million subscribers is is four hundred CSRs enough to to keep up with that in a timely fashion kind of thing. And, you know, obviously they don't have enough forum mods for people to do like realm forums and things like that which i kind of view as a requirement in an mmo i think it's a little bit of a bummer especially considering how much bioware talks about like community community well, community and they don't have realm forums and you know they, they need that's the kind of stuff that worries me a little bit they need to get that stuff well i up. i'll i'll say this is this is the crunch time when they're going to get hammered for a few specific reasons for those who who sometimes will take my enthusiasm for a great product as being a fanboy. Here's, here's the other flip side of the coin because I, I say it on both sides. They're taking a lot of tickets because of all the bugs. There's not a lot of game-breaking bugs. There's almost none, in fact, but there are a lot of non-game-breaking bugs, and they're getting the same reports about them again and again and again. Like There's a couple people in our guild who will keep putting in all the minor things they get, and they keep getting back known issue, known issue, known issue. But think about it. They've got hundreds of thousands of people probably putting those in. So they still have to look at those tickets and send back responses. Oh, yeah, no, I, I totally hear you, man. Um, I, I think uh, I think in another month or, or two or, or maybe even three, a lot of this stuff will, will be resolved and, and you know, we'll have customizable UIs, we'll have Realm forums. Um, who knows, you might even be able to have add-ons in the game but uh but you know it, it's definitely that that seems to be like the big weak spot in the game right now at least from from i could see but yeah moving on we got one other little quick topic here that we want to discuss and uh it's something that i've been really enjoying a lot and we had an article um go up on republictrooper.com today covering just the basics um we're going to add more to that as time goes on but it's the crafting system have you guys had a lot of time to craft it all in game and spend a lot of time with it i know i have in it's, it's pretty Ab badass. <clears throat> Absolutely. I, I noticed the crafting thing uh, right from the beginning. I enjoyed it. I'm not a crafter by any means. In any game I've played, I, I skewed it. I didn't bother. I let my friends do all that stuff for me. Because uh, I'm lazy, and I mostly just want to kill stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. But this time I started out the game, and I wanted to do some crafting, and I really kind of enjoyed it because... It let you kind of almost be a, uh, almost like a shopper, but at the same time you're making the things that you want to see, uh, and that's pretty neat. And one thing that I really like is that you create an item. Okay, you've created an item, but now you can continue to make it better by making it and devolving it, making it and devolving it, until eventually you get like a relic level item, which takes a lot of resources to make, but it's, I mean. That, that, that's pretty neat. And also the idea of breaking down items also increases your skill um, is a fantastic option. Well, that was the thing that I, I liked the most about it was, was the reverse engineering side of it, right? So if you craft a green, you can reverse engineer it to learn a blue, and then you can reverse engineer that to learn a purple. And, you know, obviously it takes several tries or even sometimes 50 tries to, to get it. But I didn't even realize this was that one item actually will give you multiple. So, like, if you reverse engineer a green, you can learn, like, four, five, six different flavors of that blue item. And, and that, that, gets it, uh, that gets it, like, really crazy. It's almost like when you <laughs> – for me to wrap my head around it because it's like, oh, my God, I spent so much time crafting. It's almost like too much now, you know. It's actually a really in-depth crafting system, and I, I really, really love that your companions do it for you and that you don't have to sit there and, and watch a status bar. Um, you can still go out and be questing and stuff like that. Yeah, and one other thing that I really liked about this crafting system, and I drove my roommate and my fiancé nuts because they were having trouble affording their speeder by 25. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there with 100,000 credits. I'm like, oh, I'll just send you guys some money. And they're like, what did you do? I'm like, I just took nothing but slicing. And oh, yeah, slicing. All I did 
literally was level up character. Well, I just sliced all the way up to level 400 by I was like mid 20s. And it just brings it's like gambling. They you just out they money. just did a huge nerf. They nerfed uh, nerf the hell. Didn't they nerf the hell out of that? Yeah. No. Because, because yeah. Of that. A slicer. Oh, yeah. Like I think it was Thursday. It was like it was actually a stealth nerf too. It wasn't in the patch notes and then later on they actually publicly made a statement about it. And so I guess slicing now only has like on average like a 10 to 15% return on investment. I well, no, I think like it what I think it was in the patch notes. Andy. It wasn't. It wasn't initially because on Twitter people were asking us. They were sending us tweets. They're like, "Dude, can you guys confirm a stealth nerf to slicing?" And I replied back. I'm like, "Hey, I'm not a slicer, but I was just online and some people in our guild were like freaking out." And the guy hit me back like an hour later, and he goes, "Oh, they. they he goes, they just made a post about it, and he sent me the link." So I don't think it initially was. Well, you know I what? did notice. Oh, I'm sorry, Dave, but I, I did notice. I was slicing getting a whole lot of returns. Like I'd send out for, a, it cost me 1,100 credits for, I don't know, level 35 or 40, whatever. Right. And it came back with 1,300. I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of a crap return, but it's something. And it's still giving you more because otherwise slicing is useless because it's not giving you anything other than credits. Well, that's, that's the point. And uh, I was actually talking uh, about this to a few folks the other night because they were like, some people broke down the numbers and they're like, oh, you know, you can only make about 6,000 or so an hour with slicing now at high level. And oh, that's, from, that's from doing the missions. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and that's what I said. I go, well, yeah, but you have to realize they have to plan for the long term. First of all, there's already several guides out there on how to use your, uh, your phone, your Android or your Apple phone to send your guys on slicing missions all day long. And we have people in the guild who are at work and they're popping in all day from work on their phones, sending their guys on missions every hour. Are you serious? So, yeah, I yeah. need that app. I need that app too, <laughs> dude. I know what the hell. Well, guys, I'm sure I'm sure you read the great write up on Ask a Jedi, like I tell all our writers to read on a normal basis. So I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Of I, course, I know what you're talking about, Dave. I've, I've read um, that, but I never read about that. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they Ask a Jedi has a great guide, and actually, there's they use one app, and there's another app that uh, some people in our guild use. In any case, you have to remember when you can do that on eight characters, okay? from work, that's like 500,000 credits if you can pop <laughs> on every true. so often from work with doing nothing. And people are like, this is useless. I'm like, really? Eventually, when you have a ton of high-level characters, if you put slicing on every character, you're, you're going to be making that from work. Oh, and then you're going to come home at night, and you can do it all night long well, again. So, you know, a million credits a day for just sending guys out on missions is, I think, more than enough. I think it's the typical, I mean, everybody knew, like, not to, like, drag this out, but it's like everybody knew. If you want to be rich, you take slicing, like hands down. Like, I mean, and we're talking before the, the, the last week changes, but it's like everybody knew in beta. Dude, I was I think I was like level 19 in beta on all my characters. I took slicing purely as a moneymaker and I already had like 90,000 credits or something. And I'm like in the in the teens. It was it was just ridiculous. I think what they've done with it is they've they've tweaked a little bit and balanced it a little bit more with some of the other trade skills. So like, you know, if your arms tech or armor mech or artifice or whatever you know you're, you're going to make some money but you're not necessarily going to make a ton well, well that's that's the thing though the, the point is like you said andy you can actually you can make good money if you get the right patterns but slicing is the only is the only skill you send people out and you can actually make pure credits without making further like every other crafting skill you have to make something with everything you're getting it you're actually using money until you make a viable product and then sell it slicing still brings you pure credits it well, takes I, out the middleman and it is the right. only skill that does that and that's only on the that's only on the credit side you still get rare recipes and stuff that you can sell on the yeah. auction house also um, i think slicing originally and actually there's some other mission skills that also bring you lock boxes which a treasure hunting does yeah uh, i think they were intended now i'm i don't know this but I think it was originally intended to help you fund your other crafting skills. Uh, and that's what I originally started using it for, was to bring me enough credits to afford my other, other skills. And eventually, my crafting was, uh, I didn't have any, I mean, you run out of money trying to craft all this stuff. So it almost seemed like it was trying to be its own cycle, where you craft and craft and craft, and then meanwhile you send people out on mission skills to earn you some credits to continue crafting in the first place. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and not to, not to completely 
derail the conversation, but kind of back to the original point about crafting in general was I was actually really surprised. Like I actually thought I had a relatively decent understanding of the crafting system, even, even at early game access. And like, you know, after, after two weeks of playing, and again, I, I'm not level 50, I'm not like super hardcore, but I've, I've played a lot. I've done a lot of crafting. Dude, it's so deep. Like, I mean, like you said, you can get drops, you can reverse engineer them, you can, you can uh, reverse engineer a green into multiple blues, a blue into multiple purples, and on and on and on. Um, then there's the item modification system and augmenting and all of this kind of stuff. And, and uh, there's definitely a lot to learn about the crafting system in the game. And, and I'm curious to see um, how they keep kind of balancing it out. I mean, the first, the first big change was the slicing the slicing change, but that didn't necessarily affect crafting per se. That was more like mission skills, because I, I think slicing is a mission skill, right? It's not actually. A, yeah, it, it's a mission skill. And right. In fact, um, my the character I play most, I have three mission skills, and because uh, I've got other characters that I I've decided I don't want to play as often, but they have their different crafting skills up high enough that I don't want to abandon them anyway. Right. Um, so I use them to craft if I need something, and I just have my main character with mission skills, just the fun, getting you companion gifts and slicing and give me some cash, um, or mission skills or light and dark side points or whatever. Uh, I think there's a lot of different things you can do with crafting, uh, or any of those skills, really. Like, you can even just be a pure gathering, pure crafting, uh, pure mission skills. Uh, there's a lot of stuff you can do. Slicing definitely probably needed some nerfing. You can't go pure crafting on a single character if that's what you mean. That's the only. Oh yeah, thing. you can only have one. Yeah, right. that's the only thing that's limited. You can you can go crazy like mission and and, right. and uh, collection skills, but only uh, limited to one craft. Because yeah, that that actually got me uh, late in beta. I thought you could take more than one crafting skill too, and I was like, what's going on here? Yeah. Actually, I took um, three times. My I thought long and hard about what crafting I'm going to deal with because it is a very deep system and it's kind of intimidating for us to wade into it. But once you get the hang of it, yeah, it is as Andy said. It is very deep and very complex. So I actually decided what to do was this. I went with actually three gathering skills, which you can do. One of them was slicing. I'll tell you that I ended up with 929,000 credits at level 50. Holy and crap! Also dude. Well, I'll also tell you that I now have. After only a few days of, of 50, having switched this to a more traditional layout, I now have Cybertech, Underworld Trading, and Scavenging. I kept Scavenging, Drop Slicing, and Bio, and sold the mats for some money. But I'm now down to about 300k. And that's because um, I, I basically power leveled um, the, the other two um, crew skills. And that costs money. The thing about you, we, we all should know about um, crafting is that uh, unless it's slicing, because as, as Dave said, you get money back. But um, yeah, it can be expensive, so that was another reason I sort of um, put this off to 50 when I figured I would have more money. You know, that's a good point. I've heard of a lot of people doing that, too, is um, actually waiting till 50 to really, you know, try and, like, max out their, their crafting stuff because it does, it, does, um, it does cost you a lot. Like, and, and for me, you know, my character's in the low 30s, but my, my crew skills are all, like, in the low 100s because it started getting too expensive, and I wanted to make sure I could afford my uh, my speeder and all that kind of stuff so i'm just kind of getting back into to really getting my guys going with crafting but um one other quick note for everybody out there listening there is a pretty serious bug right now in the crafting system if you see this um if you hit your end key to bring up your crafting window or your crew skills window you'll see yeah exactly the fourth the fourth one it's it's actually really very easy it's not a permanent bug and i tested it it's exactly how Bioware set, uh, set it on the forums. If you have any of your other characters actually out on missions and pop onto a different one, it'll show one of those fourth ones. If you log back on and off after uh, multiple characters are done with their skills, they actually disappear. Right. They, right. they go away again. The moral, to, the moral of the story is, is I, I, we knew somebody in our guild who saw the fourth crew skill and they clicked the X next to it to, de to delete it. And it actually yeah. deleted one of their one of their level four hundred crew skills that they had spent like tons of money maxing out. So yeah, don't if you see a fourth crew skill, just leave it alone. The Bioware's aware of it; they will fix it. Oh yeah, Dunnick, you know that's a good question, Dunnick. Uh, maybe Dave, you might want to want to take that uh, real quick. What's what are what do you consider to be the best crafting skills for troopers? Well, I'll tell you, we have we have a lot of troopers in our guild. Uh, uh, Andy and I and, and uh, 
m most of the staff of RT and, and all of the staff of RT is welcome to play with us, but most of us do play in a relatively large guild. Uh, we're in the triple digits, so we have quite a few of all classes. And our uh, the majority of our troopers uh, have taken armor mech, and it's understandable uh, because most of the crafting skills where you can actually make something that's usable have bind on pickup, some very excellent, very high-level bind on pickup items. So, uh, although we wish there could be more diversity, if you're serious about being a Vanguard tank, armor mech's almost a no-brainer, and along with it, of course, scavenging and underworld trading. It's very cookie-cutter. Um, I'm not a huge fan of cookie-cutter, but there's a reason certain things go together, and in this case... It goes together well. Um, you know, if you're a DPS, you can do the same thing with uh, arms tech. And beyond that, uh, if if those couple of individual BOP pieces aren't a huge thing to you, uh, go with whatever's most useful. Uh, we have a very high-level trooper who uh, is bio and is kicking butt with all of the extreme buffs and med packs he can make so and the reusable med packs yes yep and which are you only and our best healer is also bio or well one of our best players who's also our most geared and most active healer currently and she um she's kicking butt with bio too so um all i can say is there's no best be aware of what you want uh mm -hmm. and and do a little research and then make your choice yeah, I decided to go with Cyber just on the basis that um, gear, and because I used to be a blacksmith for many years in Warcraft, I didn't really want to repeat that experience, I guess. But um, uh, I just think that uh, gear is easy to get, relatively speaking. Armor and weapons, easy to get. Lots of ways to get it. But that um, implants and, uh, yeah, these, be, the, these uh, permanently equipped um, stems or, or what we would call flast, um, are there they bring a lot more to the table if you're looking um to the end game in operations and such and the other thing that i always i actually chose cybertech myself just because pretty early on you get slottable gear which upgrades as you put armor into them um and so really all you need to do is get those slottable things and create the mods for them with cybertech uh, there's some mods you can't do, the enhancements and stuff with Cybertech, but, uh, you know, the armor and the uh, the mods for the armor and all that stuff you can make with Cybertech, so that's that's why I went with that. Yeah, cool. Okay, guys, uh, I want to uh, kind of cut this off here, not, not to uh, stop a stimulating conversation, but we kind of talked for a long time, and we are running out of time on today's show. Um, oh, no! Yeah, I know. Oh, no's! Um, real quick, though, for everybody out there... Um, we had heard from some people, and uh, you know, it was that we were actually flattered that people noticed. But um, our Lost Tales of the Old Republic is back. Um, Tim has been actively working on Chapter Four, and um, all of Chapter Four is actually now live on our website. And Tim is now working on Chapter Five as well. Um, Yay, Tim! Right, exactly. Which will be coming. Uh, part one of Chapter Five will be coming next week. So, if you are a fan of of Tim Bertram's fan fiction out there, Lost Tales of the Old Republic. Um, it is back every Monday on RepublicTrooper.com. And uh, one last quick thing, I want to give some shout outs for all of you out there who, especially RT staff and, you know, active readers of the site. I'm sure people have noticed that the site has been growing a lot. There's a ton of new faces on our forums and our Twitter and our Facebook. And it's, it's honestly, it's too many names. It's like hundreds of people. So we just wanted to give everyone a big thank you for helping us build a really awesome community um, at Republic Trooper, all of us are, are very humbled and flattered that you guys even come to the website and, and opine the way you do and give us your feedback the way you do. And uh, it, it's really cool. And, you know, listen to our podcast and all that kind of stuff. So we're all definitely having a, a good time over here with it. So with that, um, I think I can hear some music fading in the background. So that means we have about two minutes left. Any uh, final thoughts from anyone out here to uh, close out the show? Havoc Squad represent... Yeah, I will say uh, to follow Andy's there we salute you every last one of you troopers of the world unite we love our readers there you go alright guys so uh, that'll do it for combat chatter episode 7 our first episode um, of 2012 of the new year uh, want to thank uh, Mike 
Dave, Vicky, and Adam for hanging out with us on the show today. As always, thanks to everyone out there who gives us a listen. Um, we really appreciate all the feedback, the comments, and uh, you taking the time out of your day to uh, listen to us ramble on about a video game. Until next time, you have been listening to Combat Chatter, the official about podcast a, about a what? of RepublicTrooper.com about a video game. Ramble on! Exactly. We are out of here. Peace. A Peace! Video, a video what? <laughs> You're saying my world is not real? You've been listening to Combat Chatter, brought to you by RepublicTrooper.com. Join the community at www.republictrooper.com on Facebook at facebook.com slash republictrooper or on Twitter at republictrooper. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time. There are tons of little keys being pressed in the background while I'm talking. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I know. It's early. I, dude, I'm rusty. We haven't done this in like five weeks. Okay. Take 12. I thought that was the best you ever did, personally. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's, uh, it, it's, ugh. What was I going to say? <laughs> Uh-oh. Sorry. Brain, <laughs> brain part. Blooper brain reel. Part. <laughs> it's okay, That's just roll fail. with it. <sighs> Sorry. Laugh out loud. No. Is it like static or it's like it sounds like static. a breeze blowing, a gentle yeah. breeze. Up static. No! <laughs> Here, let me try reconnecting and Andy, back. the mail the mail bomb is in the mail. <laughs> that's yeah, that's where I put it. I know. Mic back on. I need to use some Charlie Sheen for Dave. I haven't used oh, Charlie Sheen. Oh, you're anymore. getting static now. Or yeah, you're you getting, sound like you're underwater. You're getting robot voicing on Andy. Damn. I hate. I hate Skype. All right, here. Let me. Let me. Let me do the same. I'll be right back. Skype is a flaming. Fucking Skype. File.